Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. We hear from people all the time who very much love their spouses, but for whatever reason, the spouse doesn't want to be with them anymore. And so they talk about separation. They talk about divorce. As a matter of fact, some have already filed for divorce. And because of the fact that we tend to hear from the spouse that wants to make the marriage work, they're asking us questions like, can I do anything to stop this? Can I do something where that maybe rather than this divorce taking place, we can put our marriage back together? And one of the reasons they contact us is because of the fact that it's well known that for decades now, we have had a tremendous amount of success helping couples put their marriages back together, even when one of them didn't want to do that. Now, we don't manipulate, we don't force, don't misunderstand. But through an educational process of helping people think things through, it's amazing how often they can decide, maybe maybe we shouldn't do this divorce thing. Maybe we can put it back together. But that's when we're working with both. And we have some things we do for one, but that's when we work with both. But right now, let's talk about the one, which means that if you want to stop the divorce, you don't want it to happen, what can you do? I'm Dr. Joe Beam with Marriage Helper. This is Kimberly Holmes. She's our CEO, uh, the lady who leads us in magnificent ways. So Kimberly, are you ready to talk about the subject in a couple of minutes? I'm ready. Let's dive in. This is Relationship Radio, an extension of Marriage Helper International, hosted by renowned marriage and relationship expert, Dr. Joe Beam, and CEO of Marriage Helper, Kimberly Beam Holmes. We answer your questions directly with research-based principles that you can implement immediately. Regardless of the situation, what we teach will not only make your relationships better, but will also help you to become the best version of yourself along the way. Turn up the volume and prepare to take notes as we begin this week's episode of Relationship Radio. So, Kimberly, obviously we're limited in time here and we can't go through everything we do in a three-day intensive workshop in a, mm-hmm. in a half-hour-long program. But let's talk about some of the things. What are some basic principles people need to understand that if you do not want the divorce to occur, here are the kind of things that we suggest that you do that can help stop that process? Right. Well, these are also maybe some things that we should not do if we're trying to stop the divorce process. A a natural human inclination can be to freak out and try and do everything to get their spouse to stop filing for divorce. But a lot of times that comes across towards the spouse filing like you are trying to control them, which many times further feeds the narrative they already have in their head that you are controlling and they want to get away from you. Now, we're also not saying that you just willingly sign divorce papers that come your way, but you really need to look at your actions and examine your own actions and ask yourself, am I 
telling my husband if he's filing for divorce? Am I telling him, no, you can't do that. You're going to ruin our family. You are the worst person. Don't you feel guilty? You haven't even tried. If that's the way that you're responding to it, then you need to take a step back and realize there's some things you need to change in order to save this marriage. Because as you said, it was a very good point. Whatever negative narrative they had in their brain or have in their brain about you just gets reinforced. And people who are their friends were giving them all the bad advice, which sometimes can even be a marriage counselor. The people that are giving them the bad advice are going to use that. Oh, yeah. So that's just proof you shouldn't be with him or her. Excellent point. So don't try to control. In other words, try to use your influence to do this. And there are ways to do that we can teach you about. Another thing we often run into is this. When people focus only on trying to save their marriage, they typically wind up doing some things that have... uh, negative consequences. They explode on you because when you're focused only on saving a marriage, you're not seeing the big picture. And when you're not seeing the big picture, you tend to do things that really alienate the other person. Somehow thinking, if I just do this, we can make things better. And so while it may sound like a counterintuitive advice, we suggest this. If you really want to try to save your marriage, Don't focus just on saving your marriage. There's a much bigger picture, other things that you need to do there. You know, another way to think about it is if I I pictured this as being on a boat and you see someone drowning and all you can do is focus on trying to save them. For a brief instance, that's helpful because it gives you the focus that you need to do that one thing. But if you stay in that mindset of I have to save this thing and that becomes your entire day in and day out for months at a time, then you become very anxiety focused. Everything is becoming a threat. You're overreacting to everything because you're living in a heightened response state. And so just like what you were just saying, when you focus only on the saving the marriage part, you are going to become on edge all of the time. And that's why you do things that end up backfiring because you're so focused on this this feeling of I'm about to lose this thing and I have to do something now, 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 or I'm going to lose my chance. And you end up making bad decisions. Uh, We see it all the time. And then they try to interpret everything that the other person does or doesn't do. He, he usually texts me in the morning to check on the kids. He didn't today. What does that mean? He didn't put a period at the end of the sentence. Exactly. (laughs) He didn't put a period. And so you start trying to, we get those questions all the time. What does it mean when she did that? Or he didn't do that. Look, you're focusing too much on the problem. Back up and get a broader focus. And what we're going to recommend is if you're going to focus on something, focus on you. Focus on becoming the best you that you can be. Not to the point where you don't care about the marriage. That's still going to be there. But you don't focus on trying to fix it because it puts you on the wrong thing. You focus on you becoming the best you you can possibly be. And then when you do that, you're going to learn how to consistently treat your spouse and even other people better, which is a bigger picture, which has a much greater likelihood of success. Mm -hmm. Would you agree? I 100% agree. So what if they're doing that and the divorce happens anyways? They're like, well, no use now. I am really glad that that is not the thought that you and mom had many years ago. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. Yes, divorce happens and it may be that it's the end, but many times it's not the end. We have seen many times where people have still ended up doing the right things 
focusing on themselves, becoming the better version of themselves. And it attracts their ex-spouse back to them to where ultimately they are able to get remarried and save their family, put their family back together and have complete reconciliation. I mean, we haven't just seen that a couple of times. We've seen that several times, a lot of times. Many times, so many times. No, we're not saying that if the divorce occurs, it's not going to be painful. Sure it is. It's going to cause some problems, without a doubt that it is. But what we're trying to say is not necessarily the end. So even if that were to occur, you don't need to freak out yet. There are other things that can occur. Kimberly, even not long ago, we had a couple that had been divorced five years. Now, don't think I'm saying that it's going to take five years after a divorce to help you. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just showing you that even after that long, we had a couple work through with one of our coaches through our reconciliation process, our exploring reconciliation process, and then they remarried each other after five years. And, and like you said, not unusual at all to have a couple in our workshop that are divorced from each other who put it back together afterwards. Even Priscilla Gray, one of our coaches, and her husband, Jordan Gray, one of our breakout leaders, they were divorced for six months. Really? Mm-hmm. And then got remarried. Now, remember, they had problems. I know something about their problems, but they divorced for six months. And now they're helping us help other couples. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Now, we want to help you not get to that point. But if it happens, don't panic. Well, you might be thinking, okay, Dr. Bean, Kimberly, can you give me any more specifics? And sometimes the best way to do that is by mm, reacting to specific questions that we get. People send us questions. And now on this program, we have people on our team read those questions for a couple of reasons. One is we want you to meet various people on our team. And there are a lot of them, by the way, but also to, uh, to hear it come from a voice other than ours. But this is a real question written by a real person sent into us being read by one of our team members. Hi everyone. My name is Logan and I serve here on the client services team at Marriage Helper. Uh, Dr. Beam and Kimberly have asked me to read a question that was submitted by one of our listeners. Uh, Bryant says this, my wife has moved across the country with our child. We're in limited contact. I'm considering going out there to see my daughter and talk to my wife. She's not interested in reconciling and thinks I won't or can't change. What do I do? So Kimberly, how would you react to that question? What's something you would say? You know, the first question I would ask to, to that person is, how old is his daughter? Because he says in it, I want to go and see my daughter. If his daughter is an adult, then I might give a different answer to this question than if his daughter was young and the mom had taken the daughter to move across the country. Because in because if the daughter's older, then if then I would say if your motive first is to go and spend time with your daughter, then I would recommend you do that. And then the wife being an not being a secondary, but not the primary reason. But if you're only using your daughter as a way to go and talk to your wife, how is that going to come across? Is it going to look controlling? Is it going to look like you're trying to butt into the situation? And so that's something that you really have to consider. Is he going to look like he is pushing his way back into his wife's life? That's probably not going to go well. So how will the wife feel about you coming? 
That's a good question. When we talk about push-pull, basically what we're saying is that when we do things that involve or, or influence or even affect in some way another person, they will typically see that either as a push, a neutral, or a pull. Neutral meaning it doesn't really affect them one way or the other. But most things are pushes or pulls. Push, you know, well, let's push the other person away from me. Pull, well, let's pull the other person toward me. So if your wife is like, oh, don't come over here and do that. You're just going to cause me misery. Then she could see that as a push. And we would say, then why do you want to do that? If it's like, yes, my daughter needs to be around her dad, then that could be a pull. So ask yourself the question, how is my wife likely to view this? No, you could predict it wrong, but you know her a lot better than we do. But we would ask that question. How do you think she's going to feel about it if you do that? Mm-hmm. So a question I have back to you about that is, so how do you weigh what your spouse may or may not feel with needing and wanting to be a present part of your children's life? Okay. I think that's an excellent question. Uh, Personally, I feel that in situations like that, you would put the children first. My daughter needs to have some interaction with her father. She's old enough. I mean, she's not a six-month-old baby. She's old enough that she can understand that. And therefore, I'm going to spend time. But if I were going to do that, Kimberly, then I would be making contact with the wife, if I were that husband, and saying it that way. I really want to be a part of my daughter's life. Now, I want to come see her. How would you like for me to do that? And if she says, I don't want you to see the child at all. Well, but it's, she's not a baby in arms. She's old enough. She needs influence from her father. She needs to know I love her. So how would you recommend I do that? And, and if it were I, even if I had to do something legal to make that happen, I would. But he's really asking this in the context of how can I put things back together with my wife? So if you really want to see the child, excellent. But ask yourself, is it going to be a push or a pull? Because we would always recommend don't try to reignite romance. What you want to do is first rebuild friendship. Because if if you're going to say some magic word, put on some magic cologne, (laughs) some magic thing that all of a sudden she's madly in love with you again, that does not happen. Now, there are people on the Internet that will sell you that particular kind of cologne or those particular kind of words. We've got it all worked out and this is magic. Right. Now, if you really want to do that, just send us your money so we can throw it away because, because that's what you're doing. You're throwing it away. Concentrate not on trying to reignite the romance, not at the outset, rebuild a friendship and be asking yourself questions. Is this going to add to our becoming friends, increase the likelihood of it? Or make it more likely that we're not going to be friends. We would suggest that as a very important point here. So what if, Kimberly, you're trying to do this, but you're living so far away? Yeah, it can make it more difficult. But the key of it is for, again, this goes back to our first point. You're not only focusing on trying to save the marriage, because if you're doing that, then you're going to try and think of these conniving, manipulative ways to show her these changes that you're doing, because it's all about just getting her back, getting her back. And, you know, I'll never forget the YouTube video I listened to of the guy saying, go out and have all these crazy adventures, take pictures of them so you can post it on social media so that your ex will see you having all this fun. And then they will want you back 
because of all these things you're doing, which is just the most ridiculous thing. Pure you, manipulation. It's pure manipulation. If it, if, it, if it worked, it would be manipulation. Absolutely. What needs to happen is a heart change, a change within you. So start doing the right things. Become the the right person, the best person you can be, whether she sees it or not. But guess what? It's going to come out naturally in your conversation with her because it's who you are and you won't have to think about, oh, did I say the right thing or do the right thing? Did I, did I, did I cover up the lies or, you know, say the half truths that made me sound better when you're just being honest because you're changing who you are to be a better person. And that will come out. So do that consistently. That's the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who don't have children in common and you're thinking, well, but we're not going to have any contact at all. It's kind of interesting how things get out there. That if you consistently become this new person, then there's still a possibility, even if he or he is living on the other side of the world and, and you seem to have few friends in common, it's still kind of fascinating about how often the other person will find out how much you have changed, how you become a different human being. And even if they never do, it's still the best thing for you to do for you. So, Kimberly, as I'm growing and changing, what if I occasionally mess up? Well, you will. You're human. Right. That's <laughs> right. Will. You will mess up. And that's why in what we teach with smart contact, the last part of that is you take it a day at a time and you realize that even if you messed up today, tomorrow is a new day and you can still keep going. It doesn't mean you have to throw everything away and just decide to go back to your old self. It is a journey. It's a marathon. It's not It's not something you just achieve at one time. It is lifelong. And so when you mess things up, do what you can to make it right but also don't beat yourself up over it. Continue to move forward. Right. And don't beat your spouse up with it. either. like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You can tell them I blew it. I messed up. I'm sorry. But don't go whining, digging and pleading to that process. Keep growing and keep learning. So I guess what we're trying to say to this person is patience is crucial. <laughs> you have to be patient. Do this a day at a time. So, Kimberly, we have another question here, and we can tie some of these answers into that as well. Another one of our team members who will be reading this question for us. Hi, my name is Madison, and I am the workshop coordinator for Marriage Helper. I help make sure that our workshops run smoothly and our clients have an excellent experience start to finish with our workshops. Dr. Joe Beam and Kimberly have asked me to read a question that was submitted by one of our listeners for today's episode. This question was submitted by Caro. My husband has asked for a separation due to my controlling nature. He no longer feels whole and he blames me entirely for it. His therapist has called me a narcissist and that I'm toxic. I'm working diligently on my pies, but how do I bring him back? We love hearing from our team members. So thank you for reading those questions. So this question is all about what can I do to bring them back? It's the same topic of the whole episode. As we've said before, if you focus only on bringing him back, then it's likely going to lead to what he sees as you being controlling, which is going to further this narrative in his head of what his crazy therapist is already saying, that you're a narcissist, but but he will be looking for that. He will be primed to look for those things already. And so 
we're not saying change who you are or walk on eggshells, but be aware if that's already how he's thinking and you do something that further plays into that, that's going to be harder to overcome in the future. So don't just focus on bringing him back. As we said before, you have to focus on becoming the best you can be and honestly asking yourself, are there any changes that I need to make? Is there part of what he is feeling or part of why he's upset with me that could be true? Have I been a little too focused on myself or focused on work and not paying enough attention to him? Is that where this narcissistic, in quotes, word is coming from? Could there be some things that I could change there if he were to come back and we were to make it work? Is there a part I need to apologize for? Did I miss a big event in his life because I was too focused on something else? Is there anything I need to make right? That could be a question to ask yourself. Very good. I think that's an excellent, excellent insight there. So think about it as kind of that has two different sides, two different angles. One is if a therapist, so-called, or even his friends are telling him that you're a narcissist. By the way, narcissistic personality disorder exists in about 1% of the American population. Yeah, that's what everybody tells us around. But if somebody has labeled you that and he's listening to them, then he's looking for any sign that they're right. So that's that side of it over here. Because when, once people get labeled, you start thinking about them as being that way. And the other thing that Kimberly just said, be honest with yourself. If some of what you're doing is controlling, you've got to admit that. And you need to stop being controlling like that. It's not just that the other person needs to quit thinking of me this way. It's like, well, I need to stop doing anything that actually is that way. It's not ever going to be just one of us is perfect and one of us is not. So that's a good point, Kimberly. Yet sometimes people get offended when you tell them, take a good look at yourself. Well, wait a minute. I thought you were trying to help me. We are. We are. (laughs) And so sometimes we'll point those kinds of things out to you. That self-analysis can be good. And one of the call-in programs I was doing a few years ago, the lady said, well, my therapist said my husband is a narcissist. Hmm. How many sessions, I asked, how many sessions has your therapist had with your husband? She said he's never met him. I said, run. (laughs) This person is unethical. I mean, you can't make that diagnosis if you don't really go through a process here. Anyway, so if, though, he has told her that you're a narcissist, if, in fact, the therapist really told him that, and he's not just making that up to aggravate you or to justify himself, then the best way to offset that, If somebody's told you I'm a narcissist, how's the best way for me to show you that I'm not? Yeah. To demonstrate like, love, and respect. Now, where does that come from? We know from the research that Gottman has done that the top three reasons that people give for wanting out of a relationship or wanting a divorce is because they don't feel liked, loved, or respected. And then there's a ton of stories that we can tell ourselves that combine all of those feelings like, well, they're a narcissist, so on and so forth. So if we really focus on how do I show my spouse that I love them, that I like them, and that I respect them, it can begin to change that narrative that they have of you in their head. Mm-hmm. So you don't mean that the best way to offset that is not to pull out the textbooks and the Google searches and show my spouse, see, only 1% of Americans are narcissistic. Therefore, your therapist is full of crap, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you're saying that's not the way to do it? 
you know, I think they're probably just going to take that textbook and hit you over the head with it. It's not going to turn out very well. <laughs> and they're just going to view that as you being what you've already been labeled. What you've already as. said. Yeah. Narcissistic, controlling, overbearing, all of the things. So examine your behavior. If something needs to change, change it. So Kimberly, from these two questions and what we talked about at the very beginning, what are some key takeaways for this program? So the first key takeaway is to stop any behavior that appears controlling. Now, this takes what what Joe said just a minute ago, stepping back and doing some self-analysis and asking yourself, even filtering some of your behaviors and actions through that question of, is what I am about to do or currently doing going to push my spouse further away or could it pull them closer to me. And don't think about it just from your viewpoint. Try and think about it from their viewpoint. Standpoint, yeah. Very good. So what are the key takeaways do we have? Focus on you, on becoming the best you that you can be. At Marriage Helper, we call it the pies, growing physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. There's my podcast that I have all about this called It Starts With Attraction, which you can find in the show notes and go and listen to some of those episodes there. But we also have some toolkits that can help you with many of the things we've talked about today. We have our Art of Attraction Toolkit that covers how to become the best and most attractive you can be. We have our smart contact toolkit, which really teaches you how to change your conversation behavior, the way you communicate with your spouse, even when you're long distance or separated, that helps you understand a little bit more about how to stop pushing them away and start pulling them away. Now, that's the one where you and I sat down and did like four mm-hmm. or five half hour sessions and yes, it's written depth. Hmm. Okay. Those two toolkits, our smart contact toolkit and the art of attraction toolkit are the two most popular ones that we have. Everyone who, almost everyone who comes to us says, those are the two things I need to get started with. So it's a great place to get started. So focus on you. And growing those things, not only growing in your pies, but also beginning to grow in changing how you communicate, how you show up in your relationship, how you treat other people in your life. Because like we said, you're not just focusing on saving the marriage. You're focusing on changing the way that you have relationships for better, for good. And not just with your spouse, but with everybody, because then it becomes part of who and what you are. And that's the most consistent thing that can happen, even though you'll not do it perfectly is to become the best you you can possibly be. Not saying you're evil or terrible now, unless unless you are evil or terrible, and that's not the case. But saying become the best you can be benefits you in every part of your life. Absolutely. And then the third takeaway here is to be consistent, even though there are going to be days where you don't do as well as you wanted to. Just focus on that consistency over time. Over time. It is going to take time. This isn't a one day, a one week, or even a one month. It's not even a one year thing because this needs to begin to change how you are in the way that you treat other people for the rest of your life. So be consistent, even though you won't be perfect. Fourth, even if divorce does end up happening, don't panic. There is still hope. And if we know that, we know that more than anyone. We have seen it and we absolutely believe it. 
And so the fifth takeaway is let us help. We have a free resource for you. You can access it in the show notes. We have a free mini course on how to get your spouse back. And we teach you a little bit more of these things. I talk a little bit more about the pies. We talk a little more about smart contact just to give a little more insight and context into what those things mean. And it is a great place to get started for free in that free mini course into these principles that will absolutely help you transform your relationship. Awesome. That's fantastic. Now, we have one more um, program in this season of Relationship Radio. And the next one is going to be one that we get a lot of questions about as well. My spouse hurt me either because he or she cheated or because of the way he or she tried to control me, or it could be a hundred different ways, but I've been hurt by my spouse. How can I forgive? And in this next program, we're actually going to specify that focus it even more on how can I forgive a spouse who cheated? Should I, can I, is it possible? How do I, and that'll be on the next episode of Relationship Radio, which will be the last one for this season. Well, we've got some more things to tell you. Hang on just for a minute. And Kimberly, also our YouTube channel. Our YouTube, go find us there, youtube.com slash marriage helper. Be sure you subscribe and you will see not only the video version of this podcast, if you want to watch it there, but every week we release new videos exclusively on YouTube as well. Awesome. Awesome. And so uh, a couple of more things before the program goes off the air. And then we hope to see you in our next episode of Relationship Radio. I had been going to counseling and I had been, you know, talking about you know our marriage and um, and feelings I had for, for somebody else and that I never acted on or anything. But I that I had and um, and I just kept telling my, my counselor how miserable I was. And uh, and she just kind of looked at me and said, well, you're pretty much trapped, aren't you? And I. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's not super helpful, you know? <laughs> um, but I was, I was a pastor and I felt like I was in a bad marriage. I felt like, how do I, how do I, who do I go to? Um, I'm the one people come to. And it led to a night out uh, without Ashley that um, I told my feelings to that person that I had feelings for. Um, but I started a fair, a six week or a 12 week affair, um, six of it secretly. And then, you know, six more kind of open we got caught, um, and um, and so at that point, you know, it was like finally um, we got caught. You know, it was it was like a relief. You know, because the world would say, "Oh no, you'd be mean to this person," or you make them jealous, and like that just didn't make sense to me. And so, like, um, I googled exactly how to save my marriage when the spouse went out. I just kept saying, as long as I do these things, it should work, right? If anything will, this will. And so I'm just going to do what they say because I've heard stories of people before me who've done the same things. And I think I cried for three hours. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is bad. And no wonder he wants to leave. That's how I felt. You know, finding you guys was... uh obviously I think what, what saved our, our marriage and the, the empowerment that she had and her ability to stand up uh, when everyone else was telling her to, to get lost. And she lost friends over it and you know lost a, a lot of people uh, because she just kept loving me. It was like uh, like they didn't know that you could have a marriage like that. You know like 
You just... You always want to be married to your best friend or, you know, someone that you enjoy life with. And it was awesome. It is awesome. From my, the lives of my children, um, my career, passion, my marriage, um, it's all owed to Marriage Helper. You know, just that it's it's what gave Ashley strength to put up with um, all of my nonsense and through my depression to not give up on me even when I was just hoping she would. It was everything and I felt like I deserved to be given up on. Anybody that's having any kind of issues, I've, I, I, that's where I point them. I just, I just point them at you guys. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Relationship Radio. Please refer to the notes in the description to learn more about any resources mentioned in this episode. Please visit our website at marriagehelper.com for more information about our online courses, marriage workshops, and coaching. We exist to help save marriages and strengthen families. We look forward to interacting with you on the next episode of Relationship Radio.